This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc hello everyone and welcome to slash film daily for friday april 7th 2023 on today's episode we're gonna have a discussion of all the news announced today at star wars celebration this is slash film editorial director peter soretta joining me on today's podcast Slash Home Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And live from London, it's Star Wars expert, Brian Young. Hey, I'm in a different continent. <laughs> it's like Star Wars Christmas, right? Like every time there's a celebration, uh, it's Star Wars Christmas with them revealing all the projects coming up, them showing footage, them releasing news. And oh boy, oh boy, is there a lot that was revealed today so uh actually before we get into it brian how is celebration um it's really exciting i don't know i'm still sort of on this adrenaline high um i felt a little jet lagged before the panels started because my body was like why are you awake it's still like two in the morning for you like this is bad (laughs) um but as soon as the panel started like my adrenaline took over and then the the tears came and it's just been, it's just been a great time. The, the energy of the crowd is infectious and there's just so many people here sharing a love of something that I uh, care about in the most nerdy of ways. And you actually had, you have a bunch of panels there, but you, you had a panel with uh, Matt Martin that already happened. Matt Martin uh, was the guest on the live edition of my star Wars podcast full of Sith and uh, I won't get into everything we talked about, but it was a really interesting conversation if anybody wants to check out the Full of Sith podcast for that. But I will tell you one thing that was Mandalorian related that uh, maybe Matt was just humoring me, but he he uh, he confirmed that it was it was pretty obvious Jar Jar was the only person who could have helped Keller and Beck. Oh, wow. He actually confirmed the theory. I, I, yeah. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Matt's word is not law. They could always change that. But he, he, if nothing else, uh, was humoring me in in agreeing that that was the the obvious answer. I mean, he he usually doesn't commit to things. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he usually will will not like say definitively. The fact that he was humoring me or humoring you, I would say, means something. But uh, anyways, uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about the – so the big panel today was the Lucasfilm panel, and this is where they had uh, talked about the future of Star Wars. And they started things off with Andor Season 2. What did we learn about Andor Season 2? 
um, that they are halfway through the production schedule. They've got a really long, grueling production schedule on there. Tony Gilroy was talking about how they started shooting in November and that they'll be rolling until August. And then he expects that we'll see it in August sometime of next year, which is the same sort of timeline that they ran the first season on. Um, they came out, they didn't have a whole lot to say. Um, you know, they talked about the woman who plays Dedra Miro talked about how like weird, her weird fan interaction is there's a woman out there who sends her photos of Dedra Miro walking into various rooms, uh, (laughs) photos and videos on social media doing that. Um, the, uh, it was interesting too, that they were saying that, that, uh, the penultimate shot that they shot in season one was actually Andy Serkis's big, like, I can't swim moment. And Tony Gilroy was there, like, and Tony Gilroy said action from a big screen because he was actually in New York because of COVID for that. And oh, wow. so he was, like, directing and advising from across the ocean, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but uh, as far as new things, I mean, they showed some footage. Um and because they're still in the middle of production, like there wasn't a whole lot that they could show us. So the trailer was a lot of like people looking to the camera, like you'd see in trailers. Um, we saw characters like Partagas, we saw Dedra Miro, we saw Kyle Soller's character, um, obviously a lot of Cassie and Andor. And um, they used some lines from the, the first season, um, you know, and, and that was sort of what, overplayed most of the trailer and uh i mean we saw some shots of diego Diego luna looking very sharp in a very expensive suit and luthan rail looking upset one thing i found interesting that i haven't seen anybody really talking about is the notable absence of k2so and alan tudyk from the panel like alan tudyk wasn't on the panel and none Mm. of the footage they showed included alan uh or k2so which is interesting because they they could have very easily included him in footage because for Rogue One they pioneered uh, a method of placing him in the dailies live when he was doing the motion capture on set so they could have fudged a way to, to get him in there but maybe they just haven't shot anything seen. maybe they just haven't shot anything with him in any of the scenes yet I mean if, if there's yeah. if they still have a bunch of shooting to do through August that means that they have a lot of stuff they haven't done yet yeah, that's that's very that's also very true. It might not be nefarious at all. I just thought that um, for a year of shooting, or for half of their shooting, Alan Tudyk wasn't at least in any of the footage they showed, nor was he on at the panel. And I think they also reiterated that the season is going to end right, like Brad. Am I incorrect? I think we have an article yeah. on the site that's like going to tie right into the first scene Tony- of Rogue One. Yes, Where that's the, the yeah then? yeah the last shot of Andor season two will lead right into Rogue One. That's, that's ex- Tony Gilroy's been saying that for for a while in in press, uh, even before season one was over. Um, he's been pretty <laughs> adamant that that's where things are heading. I love and that then, Tony Gilroy is like, I'm going to ruin the last shot of this series for everybody in all the but press. I mean, like, We've all seen Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and you kind of assume it's going to happen anyway. I mean, the only the only way that it would be, you know, a surprising thing is if it's just Diego Luna looking into camera and winking and saying, all right, here comes Rogue One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's going to be him. I mean, like, that gives us a location. They're going to recreate the Ring of Caffrine, and they're going to have him hunting down for Tivik right before he murders him. And we might get some more about about Tivik, actually. That's a really interesting story that I think kind of gets lost in Rogue One. Um, there's moments between Jin and, and Cassian. And if you listen really carefully, um, he talks about how Tivik's sister would be looking for him. And like there's some heartbreak there and that whole dynamic that doesn't get explored at all. Um, so I wonder if we'll get Tivik and his sister in that final arc. Yeah, I wonder if what we're going to see is not just going to inform what we saw in the beginning of Rogue One, but might even make it play differently than what 
we thought was going on. But anyways, we're, we're getting too far into the weeds of things. We, we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot to discuss here. Let's, uh, let's get into the Acolyte. That was the next thing they showed. This is the series that's set during the High Republic? Yeah, they, they kind of, um, they hedged a little bit on the timeline. They said it was between the High Republic and the prequel trilogy so somewhere in that in that mix i've heard in other spaces they've said that it was at the very end of the high republic they brought out a wookiee jedi dressed in high republic like uh, a high republic like tabard named uh kelnaga and they confirmed that uh yonas swatomo uh who played chewbacca f- in uh you know the, se- the sequel trilogy so- in the sequel trilogy in solo yeah yeah um is playing that that Wookiee Jedi on on the show, and Leslie uh, Headland really said, you know, she she really talked a lot about how her inspiration was that Asian cinema that inspired George Lucas, like Kurosawa, martial arts films. Uh, she mentioned like Wuxia films, um, and very specifically called out like Yojimbo, Hidden Fortress, and the Shaw Brothers movies, Come Drink with Me and Touch of Zen and how they really influenced the stunt work. And, and I think there was sort of this skepticism from the audience that they were going to get, get that far. And then they showed the footage and Carrie Ann Moss is like a uh, really impressive Jedi master fighting against some dark side user of some sort. And it looks like Shaw brothers style kung flu or kung fu like uh exploitation sort of movie fighting and it just looked really cool and really different than anything we've seen in in star wars so far it's i think what everybody wanted when they heard that uh the guys from the raid were going to be in force awakens but instead they got kanja club but uh i love kanja club like don't get me wrong but I think a lot of people were expecting them to do some, some really intense fight work. For sure. Okay, let's get into the skeleton crew. This is uh, one that we don't really know much about. We know that this is kind of a kids going on an adventure in the Star Wars galaxy. It's now in post-production. And I believe Kathleen Kennedy came out and, and basically used – did she use the word Amblin? Everybody did, actually. Everybody really talked about Amblin. Um, they even name dropped Goonies, I think, didn't they? Yeah, John Favreau mentioned how Goonies and uh, ET were projects of Kathy's that are really like important and have that important DNA, not only to Kathy and what she likes and responds to as a producer, but John Watts really taps into, and you can tell like he's definitely got that like that Spielberg trained vibe when you watch his Spider-Man movies, but I guess he had pitched something with that vibe to her long before Disney plus was a thing. And he just sort of thought it was dead in the water. And John Favreau was hanging out with him on the set of Spider-Man in, in, um, in England, I think. Because John Favreau is actually an actor in Spider-Man. Yeah. He was, he was happy Hogan (laughs) and uh, they got to talking about it and John Watts sort of pitched John Favreau on it. And Favreau's like, this is terrific. So they got Dave Filoni on the phone and Filoni helped them sort of massage it into something that they took to Kathy. And Kathy, Kathy was like, yeah, no, this is great. Let's let's do this. Um, we, we've already been talking with him and, and let's go. And so it has that that Goonies E.T. vibe. Like, I, I think it's comparable. It's weird because Super 8 is such a modern send up of those. But it feels it feels like that. Right. Where it, it has that modern send up vibe of of that that 80s spielberg amblin entertainment where it's uh and kathleen kennedy kind of said what that recipe is is like really great entertainment for kids that that plays to adults uh as as evenly and equally as it does the kids and it comes off on on screen it it looks terrific uh there's nods to the ewok adventure in it um there are it, one of the kids is an alien and he looks, I swear, like that little elephant creature in Captain EO. Yes. Um, so like it, it's, it's just really rich stuff. And Jude Law, like he seems to have like a really um, paternal vibe for the kids, even just on stage, not even in the footage. I mean, he has that in the footage because he seems to be sort of like a Jedi 
character and these kids are lost somewhere and uh, they're dealing with pirates. So you've got that Goonies one-eyed Willie kind of vibe to it. And speaking of pirates, remember when we talked about the Mandalorian and, and Vane sort of taking off and going like, eh, I bet they have other plans for him. Well, guess who's front and center <laughs> in, in the trailer for Skeleton Crew? Vane. Vane, yeah. Well, so, very cool. Yeah. And, and I also heard that, like, one of the stories is following, like, the kids' parents and search for them. So there's also, like, it's not just following the kids. It's also following some adult storylines as well. Yeah. And uh, and the pirates and whatever's going on with Jude Law, who's a Jedi on the run in the Return of the Jedi era. Or not in the post-Return of the Jedi era, which means he could very well have been another one of those Padawans who escaped Order 66. So I wouldn't be surprised if we have yet another view of Order 66 from the skeleton crew. Well, from what I understand in the footage, the kids approach him and he has like a hood on and they're like, are you a Jedi? And he like unhoods himself. Is that how it goes down? Um, his introduction in the trailer is actually the kids are in like a prison cell and it felt very Pirates of the Caribbean Goonies. You know, I mean, like Goonies, the one-eyed Willie ship feels like the Pirates of the Caribbean set, right? And yeah. they're in a cave prison and it reminded me very much of pirates of the caribbean and he's levitating with the force a key to to rescue them and that was sort of his introduction in the trailer there is a moment where they ask him that there is a moment when he takes his hood off uh and he does have force abilities um and they sort of mentioned that in the context of the the panel very cool so uh what, what are your thoughts after seeing that trailer like are you are you more excited for this project Oh, yeah, I think this is one of the things I'm most excited for. I love that Amblin, that Amblin vibe. I think E.T. is one of the best movies ever made. I love The Goonies. I love when Spielberg is playing toward kids and adults equally. And I love, um, I love send-ups to it, right? Like, I thought Super 8 was really terrific because Abrams and crew really nailed that vibe. Um, in fact, yeah. the, the, the one thing that I... You know, when people are like, J.J. Eh, Abrams, I don't want him on Star Wars. It's like, look at Super 8. If anybody can handle that Spielberg Lucas vibe, it's it's Abrams. Um, <laughs> so it has that vibe. John Watts is capable. And Filoni and Favreau were there every step of the way as executive producers, making sure that it fit into their world of their Mandoverse. And, and the uh, kids just have a really great energy. I'm excited to see this. I don't know how I didn't anticipate or speculate that a show called skeleton crew is about pirates because <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't well, know i just yeah i just didn't have any idea yeah um okay uh next up is ahsoka um which the trailer is online so if you haven't seen this trailer go watch it um brad you have seen the trailer to ahsoka what are your thoughts on it uh, it looks fantastic. You know, this is, you know, exactly what I was hoping for from the series. We get a a little bit of a tease of uh, of Thrawn being in there, though we don't see see his face, and we get to see, you know, some of the rebels characters that we've been waiting to see in live action for a while, uh, like like Hera and Sabine. So yeah, this is there's a lot of cool stuff happening here. Um, I'm very curious about the the villains. Maybe Brian has some more insight on that because I'm not as quite as well versed uh, on the Clone War side of characters and and rebels. So uh, yeah, it's, I think this looks looks very cool. By the way, we've been so, calling this for some time now. This heir to the Empire, and it it really seems like, the, like it, it being name checked here that that's where we're headed. Uh, but yeah, Brian, what, what were you gonna say? So I haven't, I, I couldn't, I mean, like there was definitely some, some inquisitor vibes for these, these dark side users here. Um, but there's nothing in the current sort of canon that would tell us the identity of these folks. But if you go back to the history of heir to the empire and, and Thrawn, he was, he was having access to Mount Tantus and sort of cloned, crazed Jedi uh, in the form of Jorah Sibioth. I don't know if that's Jorah Sibioth. I don't know if they're related in any way to the story with, with Thrawn playing that game. Um, but there are definitely some touchstones in Mandalorian that make it seem as though that could be a possibility and that could be at his disposal. Um, so are you, are you talking my... about Ray Stevenson's character? Yeah, I think so, yeah. 
Do we know who that is? Yeah, it's Ray Stevenson. Uh, I think rumor has it online. His character's name is Balin. I'm not. Okay. Uh, I, I I don't know any more than that. Uh, but it seems like he might be a fallen Jedi that survived Order sixty six and has now joined the dark side for some reason or another. But yeah, maybe I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe this is tied to heir to the Empire, and he's a clone of some kind. It could be. Um really the 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 door is wide open on who he could be and and what he's what he's doing but that storytelling i mean balin seems to me like a dave filoni code word to be honest because you've got balin from tolkien and he huh. writes in tolkien stuff and plo Koon when he wants people to not know what he's doing and to be honest um uh, Rosario Dawson on the panel talked about how she didn't know she was in a scene in, with Luke Skywalker on the set of Book of Boba Fett because it was written in his Plo Koon. <laughs> and wait, even on Book of Boba Fett? So th- that was the script she read when she showed up on set. Mark Hamill was there. Okay. So she figured it out on set, but when she read the script initially, it was Plo Koon. Interesting. <laughs> Dave Filoni and the secrecy. Is it secret? It's just like, oh, he just finds and replaces Plo Koon for for Luke Skywalker every time because he did the same thing to Katie Sackhoff in in Mandalorian Season 2. But that script for Book of Boba Fett would have been in Rosario Dawson's hands before they revealed Mark Hamill in Mandalorian Season 2. So it wasn't like the cat was out of the bag. That was still like as secret as secret could get. Yeah, um... This trailer is incredible. Uh, it seems like we're seeing scenes from, I mean, spoilers for Star Wars Rebels, but it seems like we're seeing like an actual live action reenactment of scenes from the epilogue of that show. You play would out think that, but what I, the impression I got was that the epilogue of Rebels happens and they go search and they find nothing. And that's why their complicated relationship is sort of frayed here. When Ahsoka comes back in Rebels, it feels like she's coming back from Malachor. And this is the first time she was able to get a ship back out of the galaxy. But this feels like she's coming back to Sabine again and saying, like, maybe because why why else was she on that quest for Thrawn alone? Right. In Mando season two. So also, her like hair it, length is also different than what we saw in the animated uh, series. So, yeah, I mean, like Ahsoka's t- uh, Montrals are, are different length too. So that's not the biggest indicator, but that is something to think about. But I think this is a different time, not in that in that uh, um, epilogue. I will say I am surprised that they revealed Thrawn in a trailer for Ahsoka. I thought I thought for sure we'd be watching Mandalorian or something, and that would be the big reveal in the last episode, and that would be the first time that we'd see him. I, you know, with the announcement of the movie with Filoni, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's only like a, a, a hint that's sort of a, a vein that runs through the Ahsoka show, and it culminates in the movie like, like Thanos in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then the um, movie becomes heir to the Empire. Do, do we know who's playing Thrawn? We saw him from behind here, but I don't think they've announced we, anybody. We don't. They didn't announce anyone. I still think a lot of people are holding out hope for Lars Mikkelsen. Um, I think there's been some rumors of other actors stepping into the part, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, so far it seems like George uh, uh, Dave Filoni has not picked a lot of the voice cast to jump over to live action i mean he did with steve bloom and zeb but that was a cg character and he did with katie sackoff but yeah um whether he does that with thrawn is still a big question mark right now at least officially and we finally have the confirmation that mary elizabeth winstead is playing hera which is awesome and she looks great in that role we got a live action chopper we got mon mothma we got um a cool Darth Vader style hallway scene, which looks pretty badass. We got um We got David you... Tennant back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As well. Um yeah, David Tennant's droid Hu Yang, who uh, first appeared in the Clone Wars and earned him an Emmy, uh is is back for some reason. 
Yeah, why? What do you think he? Well, we can talk well, about he that later. Builds lightsabers. Yeah. Uh, the there's a lightsaber fight, and it seems like there's symbols in the background that, to me, actually, Brad, let me ask you, what do you make out of the lightsaber fight? Because it looks to me like they're in the the, the world between worlds. Uh, I did get a little bit of that vibe, so you're not. I don't think you're off base there, uh, which would be pretty cool. Brian, what do you think? You know, I've only seen it the once on the big screen, so so what you're describing flew right by me. Okay, um, I, we... I will I will go back and frame by frame it now that I'm back at my hotel room. Yeah. Well, while you're frame by framing it, get get that frame of uh, Sabine's loth cat because that thing was oh. cute. um uh, what what else is there to mention there Uh, i guess uh it seems like one of the big bad guys of the show is gonna be morgan elspeth who was the person who fought ahsoka i was i feel my memory says i thought she was killed in in mando season two so maybe this is a a precursor Mm. or maybe maybe my memory is faulty or maybe they just left it open in a way that i interpreted it as her death i don't remember it's funny how much of mandalorian we we talk about mandalorian for two hours every week and i love the show so much but you ask me something like that i'm like i i don't know if she survived or not i'm guessing she must have because this is set after the fact well, like I said, unless it's a flashback yeah. of Ahsoka talking about the things she tracked down or, or things like that. One thing I wanted to ask you in this trailer, there's a bunch of text that appears on screen. And one of the things that it, it call, you know, it says rebel and it says Jedi. I thought Ahsoka's not a Jedi. She was. Yeah, she She's was. not a rebel anymore either. The rebels aren't there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, one thing I think a lot of people aren't talking about is there's at one point a hologram that looks like it's Ezra Bridger, who we still don't know who's playing Ezra in the show. But I, I wanted to point that out. And th- this is supposedly coming in August. We'll see. It seems like they always announce stuff and then it like ends up getting pushed back like a couple weeks or a month. Well, I mean, but if you look at the timelines um... – they were shooting this at last celebration. And if you look at like, say the Andor timelines and things like that, and then in the production schedule, how they're doing so much of the post-production VFX in advance because of the volume. Um, I don't think August is that much of a stretch. Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited for, for this. The trailer looked so awesome. Brad, did you have anything else to say about the trailer? No, I'm just I'm I'm super psyched, and uh, yeah, I think I'm even more excited for this than I was before, and I was already anticipating it quite a bit. This trailer is so good. Okay, we got to talk about the big news: this is the future of Star Wars movies. But we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Okay, guys, we've been waiting for this. And uh, they finally announced what, I guess, actually... Brad, are these the next three Star Wars movies? Did they, did they tell us that? I don't think that they specifically said, but like considering that these are the first three that they're announcing, it's pretty clear that these are the first three movies that they are going to be working on and will bring us into the next era of Star Wars movies. Okay, so from what I understand went down is Kathleen Kennedy showed a timeline on the, on the, the screen that showed all the different eras of 
Star Wars and explain that they want to do movies not only in the past, but the present, but the, also the future. And uh, they started well, – <laughs> What did they announce first? The James Mingold thing, Brian? Yeah. Uh, so Kathy Kennedy said that uh, – well, and she she warned with the caveat that these were all very early days, but these were the projects that they felt there – I'm sure they have a ton of other movies in development at all times, but this is the, quote, very early days of these movies going forward. The first one they talked about was James Mangold. Wait, wait and... a second. Brian, when Kathy Kennedy is up there on stage speaking – does she have the fire in the background and then the red eyes, like all the YouTube thumbnails? No, no, you have to add those in post. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, so James Mangold, uh, they brought him out, and he talked about uh, that he wanted to do something at the dawn of the Jedi. So the timeline expanded and uh, added the Old Republic to the timeline and then Dawn of the Jedi. And he said this was something that was going to be 25,000 years in the past of Star Wars about the Force and the nature of it in the first Jedi. And he came to it, uh, according to him, with the idea that how would you do like a biblical epic like Ben-Hur or the Ten Commandments in Star Wars and explore some of that ancient history and mysticism and religion uh, you know, with, with some of the spectacle of parting the Red Sea and things like that. And and so that is what that's what he's working on is something at the dawn of the Jedi. We've got a few touchstones to the first Jedi. Um, Ryan Johnson in The Last Jedi actually set uh, Lucas, uh, Lu Luke Skywalker in the first Jedi Temple or what's believed to be the first Jedi Temple so that Octu could potentially feature into James Mangold's story. But that's kind and of... And by the way, that... That um that logo for Dawn of the Jedi or the era of Dawn of Jedi in the on that uh, screen is actually the emblem that was in the temple in the Last Jedi. Yeah. That, um, so so there there's that, um, and then the other stuff he could touch on would be there's there's episodes of Clone Wars in the sixth season uh, with Yoda uh, going and exploring the nature of the Force and midi chlorians and the cradle of life, and that involves these Force priestesses who sort of talk to him and talk through Qui-Gon about the nature of things and uh, Mortis, uh, a pathway through which all the force flows could, could feature into that. So like personally, I think, I think George Lucas really tried to swing for the defenses and do weird stuff inspired by stuff out of left field. And this James Mangold piece feels actually the most George Lucas of, of all of the three things that they, that they announced today. You know what? I'd like to see them go to Jeddah. That was the planet from Rogue One that was kind of like that, uh, that holy planet. Uh, they, they also mentioned here that uh, this is about the first Jedi to wield the Force in the era of chaos and oppression. So that gives you a little bit of info on like uh, where this is set. I don't know. My concern here is the more you explain the Force – the less special it becomes. And I'm kind of worried about going back to the origins of this and it um, explaining too much, us learning too much about it. People want to know about it. I, I get it. It's like whenever you go into a forum about oh, Star Wars fans, they, they're always speculating about the Force and what it can do and all this stuff. But, what are you going to say? I, I think the, like, the first Jedi is d a different than the origin of the Force. Yeah. Brad, what do you think of the dawn of the Jedi? I think it's a really exciting prospect, um, but I also think that that it's uh, probably quite a challenge because you're talking about, you know, defining the origins of basically what is the most, you know, respected and beloved civilization in the Star Wars franchise. And so it's got to lay a lot of groundwork and it has to, like, adhere to a lot of stuff that's already established. It does have some freedom in the sense that we haven't spent a lot of time uh, on the origins of of the Jedi, so they they have some some wiggle room and some things to work with, especially since there's a lot of time between you know the the dawn of the Jedi and the Jedi that we we know you know even uh, in in High Republic stuff. Um, but but yeah, you know I think I, I like the prospect of it being so far removed from everything else in the Star Wars universe and giving us something that won't necessarily feel like the usual uh you know jedi light side versus sith dark side kind of thing and uh yeah i'm, I'm curious more than anything and on top of that you know the jedi don't have to conform to like 
all the Jedi rules that we've come to know throughout the, yeah. you know, the Star Wars films. Like, it's really like wiping the state slate clean. You have so many years in between there that they don't really need to get to much in this movie. And also, we should say that, like, while they announced these three movies, to me, when I was reading between the lines, it seems to me that these could be the first films of trilogies, but they're not willing to commit to that. Yeah, Jamie, I got like, that impression. Like, if any of these are popular, well, I mean, I think um, the well, maybe Filoni not the movie, Dave Filoni, but yeah, because they say even in the press release that went out, um, quote, Dave Filoni's will focus on the New Republic and close out the interconnected stories told in the Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka, and other Disney Plus series. Yeah, so yeah, th- th- that might not be, but the other two, the James Mangold, and we should also mention James Mangold, obviously just uh, directed, it's not out yet, but Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny, which they're also promoting at Celebration, but we just don't have to- time to talk about today. But it, it seems to me that Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger and Disney must be really happy with what they have seen in that movie to, you know, earmark him to be one of the three directors uh, to direct a Star Wars movie going forward so yeah the only other person they've done that with is ryan johnson so far yeah um well no uh jj abrams well he wasn't contracted <laughs> to come back he, yeah, he yeah, came yeah. back as a last minute thing yeah that's true that's true uh it's you know one name not mentioned here is taiko atiti uh, brad do you have any insight like do you what are your thoughts like is that movie still happening so it, it's um it's funny that you say that because Kathleen Kennedy did an interview with IGN after the panel this morning. Um, and the reporter asked about, uh, and, and mentions projects saying, uh, that there wasn't any talk of projects that had been shelved or anything like that. And Kathleen Kennedy was quick to kind of correct that and say, uh, none of the projects that we may have heard about that weren't announced today have been shelved. You know, they're, they're not dead or anything like that there. She mentioned rogue squadron. Uh, Rogue Squadron has been delayed several times. It was supposed to be directed by Patty Jenkins and be this movie, but it's been delayed. It's been taken off of the calendar. And she said that Rogue Squadron is uh, isn't you know something that they're not focused that that isn't happening, uh, and that it could still happen, whether that's as a movie or as a TV series. Uh, she said she basically just talked about how development is a long process, especially when you're talking about Star Wars. And so that project is still in the works. The one that she did say wasn't really something that was happening. Uh, was Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie, but that's because, as she she worded it, Kevin Feige's Star Wars project was an idea that never really got off the ground. It was she said it was something that was reported in the trades, but there was never any like concrete idea that Kevin Feige brought to them. And she said that if he ever does have anything, she's definitely uh, open to hear it. And she was also directly asked about the Lando series, and she specifically said that that is still happening as well. So. Uh, I, I, I would say that anything we've heard about is has hasn't been canceled or axed necessarily. It's just that everything you hear about is in some state of development until you hear that it has been canceled or is being made. I mean, that's all interesting, Brad, but it feels like to, to me that the Taika Waititi movie was originally going to be the next Star Wars film. Yeah, I well, wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if that was their plan at one point, but maybe it's just taking them longer to figure out what to do with it and and how to do it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, even even the movies they announced, you know, they've clearly had a change, you know, in direction because the the one that we haven't talked about yet, which is based on the new Jedi Order and will follow Rey after the events of Rise of Skywalker, was originally written by Damon Lindelof, but now it's being uh, rewritten by Stephen Knight, and it's so obviously there, you know, there has been changes in development with what that movie was going to be as well. Okay, let's jump into that. We'll jump into that movie, and then we'll end with Dave Filoni. Uh, but so what you, she she introduced a new era at the end after the what is the era the the, uh, the new Jedi Order. Yeah, but uh, Rise of the First Order is yeah. the sequel trilogy era, and and the yeah New Jedi Order is the the one that was added to the list. We don't know that's the name of the movie. We don't know this is just like the overall era of Star Wars, and this is this movie is going to be set 15 years after the sequel trilogy, and going to be about rebuilding the Jedi Order and the powers that rise to bring it down. What do we know about this, Brian? 
Daisy Ridley's going to be in it. They brought her out on stage. Uh, and that's largely it. There's a lot of question marks in the air. A lot of people asking, like, well, where's John Boyega? Um, a lot of question marks about who this threat uh, is going to be. They, you know, Ray pretty definitively ended the Sith. Uh, and Kylo Ren is uh, no longer a Sith, but, you know, another question mark is, are we going to see an Adam Driver Force ghost? Uh, or is she going to commune with Mark Hamill? Is is Luke Skywalker going to be back? You know, there's a lot of questions about where they could go, but about all we know is, is 15 years after Rise of Skywalker, she's trying to establish a, you know, more Jedi. Uh, we also know Charmaine Obeyed uh, Chinoy is directing this. Yeah. And I would like to speculate that I I think people are assuming that this is going to be continuing the Skywalker saga, which they've, I mean, they marketed Rise of Skywalker as the end of the Skywalker saga. Uh, so is this episode 10? Is it not episode 10? And I think it's probably not going to be episode 10 in my mind. Yeah. I think, I think Ray is not, I'm calling it right now. I don't think Ray is the main character here. I think so- she is the i don't know how we, how would you even compare it in star wars i guess kenobi character yes. in a new hope but yes i don't i don't necessarily know about that i'm almost certain that they would not um bill it as episode 10 but they could always pull in a new hope right a new hope was not always episode four they added that after empire strikes back came out so maybe this does well and then they go like oh guess what that was actually episode 10 we're revising this release on Disney plus an episode. I don't think they'll actually do that, but, but yeah, I think you're right. I don't think this is episode 10. I just think it's about these new Jedi. Um, I mean, it's set 15, 15 years after the sequel trilogy. So she's been training people for quite some time. Brad, what are your thoughts on this whole setup? Uh, you know, I don't know because uh, from my perspective, it's it's hard to wash away the bad taste that the Rise of Skywalker left in your mouth. Peter, I know you're more forgiving of the movie. Uh, I think Brian is to some extent too. But the Rise of Skywalker was a mess. I like the movie. I know you did. I know you did. <laughs> okay. uh, and and we're all entitled to have our wrong opinions. Um, but <laughs> I'm sorry. No, but it's I I was very much disappointed in Rise of Skywalker. It was it was one of my biggest disappointments for a movie that I was very excited to see. You know the 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 theatrical trailer you know brought tears to my eyes because of you know just the the feelings that it, it invoked, uh, and I just walked away feeling very upset with what I was given. And so um, I'm not necessarily all that thrilled to see like a continuation of you know Ray and the Jedi Order that way. And I mean, and it's, it's one of those things too. It was like how do you make it so that a character like that carries over, you know, the Jedi order um, and when they've already acknowledged the Jedi have been flawed in so many ways. So obviously she, Ray has to course correct, you know, and come up with ways to make this new Jedi order different and not make the same mistakes as the old Jedi. So I, I, I think we know with this, this one, similarly to the, the Dawn of the Jedi, I'm curious to see how they move the Jedi forward in, in Ray's hands and what the story uh, is here now that there aren't any Sith, you know, what, who, who are the enemies? Cause you know, I, I, I hope it's not just a retread of, you know, another, you know, sect of bad guys like the empire or the first order, you know, but, and so like, there has to be something compelling there. And I'm, I'm, I wonder what it is. Well, the good news here is that Damon Lindelof wrote the initial script, which this story is going to be based on. And hopefully some of the ideas that he used here are good ideas. I have faith in Damon and I hope that they use some of those ideas. Yeah, I, I agree with that there, you know, and I hope I hope that that whatever he did, that a lot of it, you know, ends up in the, the new script and that maybe, you know, they just they wanted a, a different kind of direction with some of the same basic ideas. Uh, you know, it's, it, we won't ever really know, probably, because we'll never get to read Damon Lindelof's script. But yeah, that's that's something that, you know, gives me uh, some semblance of hope. OK, I'm going to bring up a ridiculous theory. I want to mention that Grogu, if he was still alive, would be 91 years old. And Yoda started training Jedi at 100. So could Grogu be part of this new Jedi Order? Is the question I guess I'm going to pose here. No, he already turned away against the, the Jedi. And once people make decisions once, they make them for the rest of their life. And they never have to struggle with it again. No, I don't know. Anything's possible. Really, what I said earlier, that it's a culmination of every all the storytelling that they're doing in the Mandoverse, and I really think this is going to be leading into 
that idea of heir to the empire. It's something Dave Filoni's been circling around and trying to bring into the canon since his days with Star Wars Rebels. Like as soon as George Lucas was had his back turned, Dave Filoni was like, "Okay, we're doing this Thrawn thing. We're doing the heir to the empire." And and um, I think I think that's really where it's heading. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's it exactly. So so I think Dave Filoni's heading in that direction, and I think it's going to be a classic, like Star Wars, Buck Rogers, exciting space fantasy yarn that that pays off all of that storytelling that we've trusted him with in Clone Wars, in uh, in Rebels, in Bad Batch, in the Mandoverse, and this is. This may well be the end of Ahsoka's story. I mean, uh, this is something I'm very excited about because obviously the you know the Thrawn trilogy uh, with Heir to the Empire is one of the greatest Star Wars stories to come from the series of books that followed the uh, original trilogy, and you know it's uh, it's something that I think that will be even potentially even more interesting because. Now we're not telling that story with the characters from the original trilogy. We're telling it with a whole new set of characters and with a whole lot of different interconnected tissue that's coming from the Mandalorian. So I think the prospect well, of bringing a lot of... Oh, go ahead, Brian. Well, I was going to say, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, they've made a lot of bones about having Dave Filoni involved every time they bring Luke Skywalker into the Mandoverse. Uh, I, suppose that's, I suppose that's true. There is... There is uh, uh, yeah, a grace period there where it would be possible for Luke Skywalker to be tied up in this, but I just, I don't know that, that, that feels like it would be a little bit weird to me knowing that, uh, you know, Han Solo is, is gone. And, um, so is, is Leia. And I think that, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, maybe, 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 maybe. but I mean, um, uh, I don't know. I, well, also, they could have been using, um, they've been could have been using Luke Skywalker and all the Mandalorian verse stuff, which to, is to try that, out that technology for the Zeb. potential movie. Yeah, I suppose I suppose that's possible. Um, in in which case, it would be cool. But it, but even so, like the uh, the involvement of characters from from Star Wars Rebels uh, and you know bringing Ahsoka back and all that kind of stuff, I think that. Uh, that will make you know the adaptation of that that material you know that much more interesting. You know, I hear a lot of people complaining about superhero fatigue and you know what's going on with Marvel right now. And this, in its way, is kind of the Avengers of Star Wars. Everything coming together, and it's not like just the stuff on the Mandalorian verse. But you're going to kind of have to know some of the stuff that happened in Clone Wars. You're going to have to know stuff that happened in Rebels, maybe even some stuff in Legends. So it's, it's coming from all corners. And I'm wondering, because you hear people with these Marvel movies be like, oh, I didn't see this show. I didn't see this movie. I don't know what's going on. I'm kind of wondering if the same thing is going to happen with this Dave Filoni movie. Like, will you have to have seen everything to go into this and understand what is going on with all these characters. Cause there's going to be so many characters from so many different projects. I mean, I mean, they're going to, they're going to figure it out. I mean, I think, I don't think Disney is, I don't, well, I don't want to say Disney. I don't think Lucasfilm is stupid per se, right? They're looking at the numbers of people looking at Mandalorian and saying, I want to learn more about Bo-Katan. And then they're seeing those numbers tick up on rebels and, and clone wars. Right. And so they can see, they've got a very clear picture with all of that internal data of exactly how popular this stuff is and how big these storylines are. No, I think this is great. You know, there's um, there's something for everybody here. You know, I think that that's uh, a smart move on Lucasfilm's part. You know, they're doing something uh, new with characters that we haven't seen before, going into an era that we haven't uh, experienced before with Dawn of the Jedi. We're getting stuff with characters um, that we we've liked for uh, a while now with the Mandalorian uh, and Star Wars Rebels and Clone Wars by continuing that thread into a larger movie. Uh, and we're also, you know, getting stuff that gives us a little bit of both something new and something familiar by getting a story that picks up with uh, Rey and the new Jedi Order after the events of the Rise of Skywalker. So there's a lot of different threads here and each of them provide, you know, a lot of room to do more things. You know, I, I think even after uh, 
Mandalorian seemingly comes to a conclusion and all of those interconnected shows uh, come to an end at, in the culmination of that Dave Filoni movie, you know, there's still plenty of space in that era to, to work in. So, you know, I think uh, it's, it's cool. And I hope that they're able to, to pull it off and that there's some com- still some compelling stories here to be told. Well, Brian was also lucky to see Mandalorian chapter 23, the next episode of the Mandalorian. And I want to hear about that, but I don't want any spoilers. I'm not going to give you any spoilers. Okay, I've been hearing some hyperbolic stuff. I've been hearing this is an amazing episode. It might be one of the best episodes of Mandalorian. What do you think? It's it's really good. And like we were talking about last week, it's going to have to start setting the stage for a big confrontation and wrapping up a lot of storylines. And it it does. It really does that. It It opens up establishing stakes and enemies and it takes us places i was not expecting to go and it's finally doing that oh wow i wasn't expecting that thing uh that that we haven't necessarily had this season where it's just like oh i was expecting them to take longer on this or that and this just um all of that was a misdirect to hit us with the right jab here and I can't wait to see this this week and talk with you guys on Wednesday. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast and Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you on Monday. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc